0: Okay, we're just going to have a word of prayer and we will begin. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this time we have together this evening. We're so thankful, Lord, for your grace that has been extended to us. We pray as we begin our study, um, since it is such a sensitive, of sensitive nature, that you will give us wisdom and understanding and tact as we approach this subject. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So, um, well, last time we discussed the sealing of the Spirit and um, what it means, and we talked about it being a guarantee and uh, two things: a signature guarantee. And then we said, "Well, what does it guarantee?" As the second thought, and we we covered that in detail on the, on last time. So, we want to continue with. The Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. And we're just going to... The Gifts of the Spirit. So, the first thing we want to think about as we approach this subject is that the Holy Spirit gives each of us a gift. You may have more than one gift don't be surprised you may have more than two gifts it is possible but at least every believer has one gift and we're going to see in scripture where God the Holy Spirit gives it and then we will follow through with um, uh, what gifts are available for us some people want to discover their gift and you know there's much talk about uh gifts today. You know, Someone has entered the conscience. are many people are saying that gifts are, um, can be discovered through tests. You know, all you have to do is take these tests answer these questions and you will know what your spiritual gift is. Uh, all kinds of things people are doing, but what we want to begin to see is how, we, we will talk about how to discover what spiritual gift you actually have. We'll get to that. Then uh, we're going to talk about, um, which gifts, and there's much controversy today about spiritual gifts. I want just to give you um, I'm not going to sidestep the issue. We're going to talk about what gifts are and are not uh, valid for today, if any. Some people would even disagree with that statement. They would say, hey, what do you mean what gifts are or are not valid? Uh, We'll discuss that. Are there, have some gifts cease now we could look at first Corinthians 13 8 and it says love never fails but whether there be prophecies they shall fail whether there be tongues they shall cease whether there be knowledge it shall vanish away so if that verse is saying that gifts cease cease means cease to exist no longer you can no longer use the gift then we have to determine when they ceased. If they ceased, maybe they're still going on, right? Maybe people still can exercise those gifts and maybe not. So that's something we're going to discuss. So we won't say necessarily that, you know, this is how it is. Because we want to arrive at that conclusion from the Word. And remember, the conclusion does not matter. Okay? Some people, when I say that, they say, wait a minute, how can you say the conclusion doesn't matter? The conclusion does not matter. You know why? Because uh, we want the conclusion to be a certain way. See? and that's, I'll come to the table and say, well, I believe tongues exist. Or I believe tongues do not exist. And notice I went right to tongues, because that's, <laughs> that's the controversial one. And some people will say, well, that's my position. Now, I'm going to go to the Word and I'm going to prove that that is true. See, so what have I done already? I've already said, here's what my opinion is, here's what my conclusion is. Now, I'm going to show that that's true in the Word. I, I don't want to begin to investigate the subject on a conclusion basis you know you don't want to start with a conclusion you want to start with okay let's see how we arrive at that conclusion and that's what most people have not done they have looked at the conclusion and then they have went into the word to find scriptures to support what they believe that is not the way we want to approach that's why I say we don't want to do it conclusion based we want to investigate it from the word so conclusions don't matter how we arrive at the conclusions matter. That's what matters the most. How do you arrive at the conclusions you hold? Because if a person says, hey, here's a list of things I believe, and they just give you A to Z, what they believe. Does that matter? No. Because what if it's not in the Word? How do you know that what you believe is in the Word or not in the Word? Does the Bible support that? Now, of course, on, on both sides people are going to say, yes, the Bible supports it i got scriptures and I'll turn you right to where the scripture I'm using to depend on to say the things I'm saying. So we have to, you know, when we approach this subject, we know there's controversy. So I just want to say a couple things before we start because we need to make sure that we do not disrespect people who uh, may be on either side of this issue and it is not one of those things where we want to uh, poke fun at them or uh, throw stones <laughs> you know, people have done all sorts of things in the past and we want to make sure that when we approach this subject we do it objectively uh, we, we don't want to... Uh, we, and now first of all if you take the position that tongues are not for today let's just imagine you take that position you should know that you are in the minority You are not in the majority. Okay, So if you are in the minority, then don't run around trying to get people to see your logic because most people are telling you already, I do not see it that way. You are already in the minority if you believe that. But again, we do not care here what conclusion you come to. We only care about how you arrive at that conclusion. That's important. Even salvation. Some people will say, I believe in once saved, always saved. You say, all right, right on, brother. Guess I don't think they say right on anymore. But do they still say that? I never heard that. Okay. Okay. Well, if they say that, right, then. are they really on the same page that you might be on they may just say "Ah, that's the position I like I like that position they don't know how they believe it their whole understanding is not uh, related to the same method of investigation that yours is you have a question? the Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit the same yes Mm mm-hmm when, we, when you read in your King James Bible where it says Holy Ghost, you can just translate that as Holy Spirit. And Holy Ghost is something they did in the Old English. And, uh, and this, the, the Greek is the same word. There is no two different words. one for Holy Ghost translated and one translated Holy Spirit. Both comes, they both come from the same word, Hagias Numa which is just Holy Spirit. See, now when they translated the King James Bible they had different uh, scholars from different uh, colleges do this, universities. So a group from Cambridge would translate a part of it. A group from Westminster would uh, translate another part of it. A group from Oxford would translate another part of it. So then what they do is they put them all together and that's how we have the King James Bible. And when uh, some people, let's say Oxford group who who were over here translating and they were in acts, they said altogether, we're going to whenever we see hagias numa, we're going to translate it holy ghost. So that's what they did. And the group over here said whenever we see hagias numa, we're going to always translate it holy spirit. So that's why you have in the King James you have holy spirit, holy ghost. And you should just know and ignore that, because a lot of people get hung up on that. just ignore it if they want to use Holy Ghost, let them use holy Ghost okay so um, so let 's go go on just a few more disclaimers just to note as we talk about this subject again, it is a very emotional subject, and it may appear that a person is engaging you in a conversation with this. But really, you just don't know. What's, it's like the tip of the iceberg. You can only see part of it, but below the surface is a mass of ice. So what you want to be careful is, is as you talk to people about this, know that it is an emotional subject. If you say that, if you take one position or another and tell people you know what you think about this stuff, you may hurt somebody's feelings, truly. I don't think anybody here wants to do that. That is not our goal, to hurt somebody. What, we, what is our goal? We want to witness to people to the truth, right? We want to let them know what the truth is and let them know what the Bible says and, and how we arrive at the conclusion that we arrive at. That's more important than anything. So the person said, What do you think about tongues? I almost don't want to tell them. I really don't. Because as soon as you tell them, guess what? You know, it, it depends on whether they agree or disagree. They agree uh, with you, oh, you you've you just said the greatest thing, yeah, brother, hey brother. But if you, you disagree with them, oh my goodness, they look at you, you know, they straighten up and okay, you don't believe it, you're the enemy. Now, and, uh, we could be brothers and sisters and now I'm the enemy. I don't want to have that sort of relationship. Uh, and again, so what's most important, the conclusion or how I arrived at the conclusion? I would much rather somebody would ask me, how did you arrive at the conclusion you have? Now that that's a question. Now we we can you know, get right down to it. And guess what? I can reverse that question. How did you arrive at the conclusion that you have? What scriptures are you using to support the belief? Is it just maybe? Some people are like, hey, I've, I've always done this or not done this. And that's the reason why I don't or do today. My mama did it this way. My grandmama did it this way, or you know, my uncle so and so, who is in heaven right now, did it so this way. You know, people heard all kinds of things. So as soon as you tell them that, they're plugging all that in. You know, and you're sitting there thinking, well, I just said what my opinion was. Well, you just shot a knife in their back, according to them, and now you're the enemy. So you don't want to. You don't want to create problems you want to solve problems that's what we're about and, and if, so I'm just giving you all this dis- disclaimer and it's important you might say well let's get into the study you need to understand that this is a very sensitive subject and again if you take the position that their tongues are not for today you are in the minority you should know that so uh, people, most people today Believe that tongues are in existence. They believe, and if they don't believe that tongues are in existence and they're speaking them, they think, well, they may, I may not be doing it, but I believe others can do it. So, see, so there's a lot of varied positions. We'll deal with this topic and um, not only this topic because we could we, we get stuck on tongues, but we, we want to deal with all the other subjects, prophecy, knowledge, wisdom, faith, uh, discerning of spirits. Uh, um, w- w- did I say wisdom already? Yeah, I did. So there's a lot of giving, uh, um, administrations. Uh, there's a lot of different gifts. Pastor, teacher, evangelism, uh, that we're we're going to want to deal with in detail, so that we know a little something about everything. We don't want to just oh well. We talked about spiritual gifts. What do we do? We, we discuss tongues. There's so many other spiritual gifts and in fact tongues is what? The least. the least of the spiritual gifts so says Paul the least so why would we spend all our time talking about what is least that's because people have taken what is least and made it the greatest thing you know? so let's reverse that and we will also we, were gonna, we need a good understanding of what are spiritual gifts because there were gifts like signs, wonders, and miracles what, what is that all about? is are people does are people having that gift today is that something people can do today uh, you know we need to discuss that uh, so, so that we're going to approach this thing from not a logical standpoint okay not a logical but a biblical all right so uh, you might look at this and say hmm i'm reading this scripture and and uh, we're going to be drawing conclusions based on what the scripture says we don't just read the scripture and say well you believe whatever you want about it we're going to draw conclusions and we want to draw our conclusions based on what the context says we don't want to just run off and say well read the scripture and then say whatever we want no it has to fit what is the context so you may come across a scripture and you realize that uh, hey you know that's against what i believe that, I'm surprised he, You know, he said that. That's against what I've come to understand. Well, remember, we're not dealing with a logical approach. A logical approach would be, I said everything that sounds just logical to what you think. And everything you've ever heard. And I've said it just as... You're going to say, well, he's logical. He's right on the... He's on the money. Right? That's what you'll say. But, but guess what? I don't want to deal with the logical approach. I want the biblical approach. And as we look at that... You know what we're going to discover? Some things in here cut right across the things we thought. And it goes back to that scripture, and I have to quote it again. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are my thoughts and ways higher than yours. So we need to recognize that God may tell us something different. The Word of God is is good for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That means all of us. We can learn something from the Word. You can't learn something if you already know it all. So you have to leave room for God to correct you, to rebuke you, to instruct you in righteousness. So we, we want to make sure we take the biblical approach. So if we walk away at the end of the day and uh, we've learned five things that contradict what we thought, we have grown in the Word, and the knowledge of the Word. That is what we want to do. But you know what? Don't just drop what you formerly held. Prove all things, as Paul says. Prove all things. And what? Hold fast to that which is good. Prove means to test it. So if you got a belief, I'm not telling you come in here and drop your belief. No, who's going to do that anyway? Nobody. They're not going to drop their belief. They'll listen and hear you out. An objective person would. He'll weigh what you say. And that's what proving, testing, testing to see that what you hold is what this Bible says. That's why Paul said the Bereans, they were more noble. Because when Paul told them something, they didn't just say, okay, Paul, if Paul said so, you know, then that must be what it is. No, they said, well, where is that found, Paul? And they went to their Bibles and they looked and they checked the context to see if what Paul was saying was what the Bible was saying. And guess what they determined? That it was true. What Paul was saying was the truth. So Paul said, you know, that I like that. I like that. Now, because you're not you you want to make sure that I'm in line with the word of God. So Paul, he wasn't preaching some new doctrine, strange cultish thing. He was teaching the word of God. He was demonstrating that Jesus was the Messiah from the Old Testament scriptures. And they could not refute it. They could just look at it and it was confirmed. So the biblical approach. Think about that. See, you could go to the emotional approach. Hey, I speak in tongues. And, and I'm convinced that they're real. Or you could you could take the logical approach. Hey, you know, it's logical to me. My whole church believes it. My mother believed it. Everybody else believed it. Hey, it's logical that it must be true. Right? Or you could take the biblical approach. Which says, you know what? i got to test what I believe according to Scripture. And when I find that it is in line with the Scripture... Then I will hold fast that which I believe. So we're living in a day where the scripture is discarded. I mean, many people are not paying attention to the word. and, And it has very little value when it comes to how they order their lives. How they allow themselves to think. They do not consider what the word says. And um, when we go through the scriptures, and you'll find there are scriptures, that, and there are definite scriptures that say definite things, you can't run away from those things. They must be in your factoring as you consider what this subject is all about. If you run away from that, where are you going? This is the Word. Now all you can do is say, well, Maybe, maybe there's another interpretation. Let me look closer at the context. That's what you do. That's a berean thing. See Don't just swallow everything somebody says, and that includes me. You've got to test. How do you know? How do you know that's true? And God will give us light on that. I believe He will. So we are em- embarking on uh, this subject, and it is very controversial. We're not trying to get divide. That's not the point. We don't want to divide. We want to have unity, but we have to have unity around the things that are most important, and that is the Word of God. That's the most important thing. I don't care who you are, whether you're a Catholic, a Pentecostal, a Charismatic, a Baptist, Methodist, whatever you are, you can't go anywhere far from this, the word. (laughs) Well, Catholics do because they say a lot of times we have tradition and the word. That's what we do. So, a Catholic might say something to you and it might just be traditional. You say, well, where is that in the word? Not in the word. Well, where is it? Well, Pope so-and-so from this century said it. And you say, oh, okay. that doesn't mean anything to me but it must mean a lot to you because they're ordering their lives and they're thinking by what that Pope said he just said this and it has nothing to do with the Bible see but they allow that we as Protestants do not there's, there's a very there's a dividing line that you should know so if you're talking to a Catholic person then just so long as you know that that's you know how they look at things, you know. You're not too surprised. And then again, you, there are all kinds of exceptions, so you really have to take it on face value. Deal with the person that's in front of you. Don't say, yeah, well, you, it says you're a Catholic and you must believe this. The person says, I don't believe that. No, you must believe that. You're going to get into the argument about what they should believe. No, you just say, okay, let's just deal with the word. All right. So most Catholics don't want to discuss it. The Bible because they, they, don't, they, they don't want to get in a discussion. Well see, see again that's a, you're, you're characterizing them and you're already approaching them saying that they don't want to discuss it. see so I, rather than do that, I say let's just take it on an individual basis. you know you, you never know who you're going to find. You know, maybe you'll find this Catholic person, and he breaks all the rules. <laughs> He's an, and there are a lot, many Catholic people, uh, Catholics who have converted from Catholicism, and are Protestants. Many, so we don't want to rule out that you know, oh, this person's Catholic, oh, therefore they must do this and they must know that. You know, they're, they're varying in their beliefs and their dedication to the the church and the pope and all of that. So you have to take it on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you would want that too, right? You wouldn't want anybody to look you up and down and say, Oh, he's a this, so therefore. You, you wouldn't want that. You would want them to say, Well, why don't you judge me based on what's in my heart? And that's, that's the way we want to begin to look. Okay, so here's, here's the, the wisdom uh, that I think we should use to approach this subject. We're going to use what the Bible says. We're going to do a general study about gifts. We're going to establish who gave gifts, how gifts are given and so forth. And then we will slowly come to the point of what gifts, uh, what they are, what the the purpose of these gifts are. And everything is going to be driven from the purpose. We're not just going to come up with a gift and say, okay, this is the gift and we'll just assign any purpose we want for it. No, we're, we're going to have to f- make sure that we have a biblical understanding of why the gifts. Why? Even down to the signs, the wonders, the miracles, right? Why didn't God do that? Why did He do it for some and not for all? And people, especially today with the Ministries that are dealing with prosperity and healing and deliverance. Everybody is telling you that you do not need to be sick. Are you sick? Well, then you don't need to be sick. You know, and they got a whole understanding of you know that they're trying to bring the scripture to tell you that you should not be sick. But yet, Christians are getting sick. You know, and that's the reality. I've got to use that holy water. Well, they got that going too. Pop off shit. Yeah, they got they they got that as well. They got that as well. So you know, and you're going to find that many people. And, and again, remember, this is a very sensitive area because some people are sending their money into that show and they're, they're depending, they're watching that TV show faithfully every morning and if you sit up here and say, oh that's crazy <laughs> you just lost that person. That person will never listen to another word you've said. You've offended them to, to, to high heaven. So we have to be careful how we approach this subject. And so I say, you may come to conclusions but then, what, what does that matter? How do we arrive at the conclusions we come to is what matters. And so people are running around fighting each other with the conclusions. Well, this is what I conclude. Oh, this is what I conclude. Oh, really, let's clash. And that's what they're doing. So we don't want to do that. We, we want to investigate and, and say, well, why is this happening? What is the scripture we're depending on to say this? Okay? So why don't we start? I think we have enough background. we got a good 20 minutes before we have to quit. Why don't we start with, first of all... Um, Romans chapter 12. Just to note, and I've used this scripture many times. Oh, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, you don't have to guess where I'm going with these scriptures because um, they're general scriptures. I mean, there's only certain scriptures that you could focus on that deal with spiritual gifts. So we're going to be at those scriptures. <laughs> don't think that I'm going to pull a rabbit out of my hat and, and come up with things. You We're going to be focused in on the scriptures and what they say. And we're going to take our time and do that. And we're going to take maybe two, three lessons to do this. So don't sit back and we won't get it all in one night. And that's okay. But we want to approach it biblically. So the first... go ahead. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Mm-hmm. And we'll start reading just verse 1. how you doing so 1 Corinthians 12 1 says now about spiritual gifts brothers I do not want you to be ignorant that's interesting he's saying about spiritual gifts right and what what's our subject spiritual gifts he does not want us to be ignorant ignorant means you just don't know in the dark not knowledgeable about spiritual gifts. Paul does not want that to be our case. Now, I have to say, the more I read the scripture and look around, the more I see ignorance about spiritual gifts. So, why is so much ignorance and confusion about the spiritual gifts? Because people have not paid attention to what the word says. That's why why you say just mm-hmm. because I, you know I, I find a lot they have a lot of mot- um, motivational speakers mm-hmm. but they don't go to the word they don't, mm-hmm. you know to the word they should they should go to the word is that exactly how they explain it mm-hmm. how we do it like what we talk about well, well again to us the, the most important thing is the context now many times people are, get into what is so called preaching and their message is really a motivational message. They want to get you fired up. They got a couple points they want to get across, and uh, that's it. But we're really focusing on the Word. And you'll find some ministers that'll just take a text. Say, here's my text. You can close your Bible. <laughs> you're not going to need it. And they just go on to preach. Well, that's a style that some ministers have, but we we don't have that style. So you're going to need your Bible. <laughs> hope you have one because you will need it and and so even though they may be doing that and doing a lot of storytelling in the in the middle and you know in the meantime you're not getting in my opinion what the word says that's why it says we are to preach the word just like it says Now people love that verse preach the word oh man that means get it out there but is, but, that, is it okay to a certain stand and then get busy and to well work? that verse if you read that verse it says preach the word be instant in season and out of season rebuke exhort comfort and it says with great care and careful instruction now when people say that, preach the word I don't hear all the rest of it I just hear preach the word but there's a whole lot of other how are you going to be preaching the word with great care and careful instruction if you're not paying close attention to what the word says. You gotta really so preaching the word is not screaming and hollering at you. Uh, it, it is telling you straight what the word says. Being instant, in season and out of season. When you want to hear about it and when you don't. That's what where, why rebuke, you know, comes in, because people they don't want the word, but you still gotta give them what the word says. You that's and, and when a person's sitting there in their seat and they're rebuked by what the word says. The word is doing its work. Let me just point out that the word is motivational to me. Well, now, yeah, it turns around now that you have been focused on the word, and now when you sit down, you want the word. You don't want the preaching thing where they just are just saying anything and telling you stories. You want them to get into the teaching of the word, and that's where that's where we want to be. We want to be students of the word, disciples, hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So here, this first verse, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. See, so we want to be sure that spiritual gifts are something, it is something that we can investigate, these gifts. It's something that's in the Word and available for us to know. Okay, so we're we're just going to approach spiritual gifts from the standpoint, where does, there's two ways spiritual gifts are given. Um, and really there's one way for us but initially, initially there were two Christ is the first one to give spiritual gifts and the second one to give spiritual gifts is the Holy Spirit so we're going to establish just a couple of points at a time and we'll move forward that Christ initially, in the church, gave spiritual gifts. And then, God the Holy Spirit took up this task of giving the holy, uh, the gifts to those who believe. So, first scripture is for Christ is in Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll just look at these verses really fast. Ephesians chapter 4, let's put it on there. And we'll look at 11 through 13. And we'll just read that. So we can know about spiritual gifts. That is very good to know that it is available information for us to to have. Ephesians chapter 4 deals with this subject. And we'll go through the scripture. And we might just want to start at 9, even though we're going to be reading... Uh, 11 through 13. We'll start at verse 9 to get the context. Wow. We might have to go to 8. Wow. So 8 says, this is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captivities in his train and gave gifts to men. Now who's he talking about? Christ. Christ. Jesus Christ gave gifts to men. What does He ascended mean except that He also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was He who gave and He's going he's to talk about some of the gifts that He's given. Okay? It was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Now, just to note, this word pastors and teachers is not two gifts but one gift. And we find that from uh, the Granville Sharp rule in Greek grammar that whenever two nouns are have chi, or are separated by chi, and there is one definite article in front of the, the first noun and no definite article in front of the second noun this means that they are talking about the same thing or person and in this case we find that pastors and teachers refer according to the Graham Phil Sharp rule to the same person and I like it because it talks about this person with this gift of pastor-teacher as we hyphenate it, pastor it's his authority his shepherding the flock <clears throat> teacher is what the pastor does that's his function that's he teaches the flock so that it's very fitting he's a pastor teacher ok so it, it listens it lists four gifts here and notice all these gifts are communication gifts. Apostles, apostles communicate doctrine and truth, and right and the found churches. And God gives them special ability to be leaders and prophets. Prophets, God used to establish the church as well. Right? And if you look in Ephesians two twenty, it says that the church is built on the foundation of apostles. And prophets with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone and that should be right there 220 I'm quoting it built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being chief cornerstone pretty much same thing Uh, so evangelists what do evangelists they communicate the word to what word do they communicate the gospel message, and then some to be pastors and teachers. Pastors and teachers are equipped so that with this gift, in order to take you from being a babe in Christ, as the evangelist gets you and brings you into the church, or a newborn babe, the pastor-teacher picks you up then and takes you from being a babe all the way to growing up to maturity. Alright, so we have pastor-teacher, and these are gifts. And who gives them? Christ. Now, when did He do it? It says, when He ascended on high, he led, and He gave gifts to men. So, He established the church using these gifts. And I love it, because right there in Matthew 16, Jesus says, right, on this rock, who will build His church? I, He says, will build my church. And here we see Jesus doing the very thing He said He'd do, Building his church. Well what do you mean building? I gave these gifts. He said he, he gave these gifts and these are foundational gifts, aren't they? We read we read that the the foundation of the church is made up of these very gifts. So who laid the foundation? Jesus Christ. And we are just building on something that he already started. Okay? Alright, we said so in Ephesians four, eleven through thirteen And we find and also you can put in there Matthew 16 where Jesus says, On this rock I will future, future. He didn't build the church in the gospels, he didn't build the church in the Old Testament. The the church did not exist then. He says, I will build my church. And that will means it, it will be future. And here's when it is. Here you have it. He he gave these gifts in order to found the church it's okay then we're going to deal with 1st um, Corinthians and we're going to deal with the Holy Spirit now he also gives gifts we're going to find where, where it says that in scripture that's going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where we already were and we will read uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and we're going to eventually go through this whole chapter you know, but right now we're going to just kind of concentrate on answering the question of who gives spiritual gifts? Who, who gives spiritual gifts? So far we understand that Christ did it to found the church. But now we're also going to understand how um, the Holy Spirit is, plays a role. Verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of, t- of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another um, faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing. By that one spirit. Now notice the the refrain after every one of these, by the spirit, by the same spirit, by why go through all of that? What's the point here? He's trying to tell you beyond any under uh, reasonable doubt that the Holy Spirit is the one who is the author of these gifts. Not you. The Holy Spirit gives them. and it keeps emphasizing that point. Each one you read. Verse 10. To another, miraculous powers. And that's when we were talking about the signs and wonders, right? To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. We said discerning of spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. What's a tongue? A language. We'll get to that. And still another, interpretation of tongues. Now notice this. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts to people, and um, notice everybody does not have the same gift. Is that coming across pretty clear? Does He give everybody the same gift? No. And even in the Scripture we read in Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven, it says, "And He gave some to be apostles, and some to be pastors, you know, evangelists, and so forth." Now, if it's some. Everybody does not have the gift. What if you aspire to the, I want to be a pastor, I want to be a this. That doesn't mean, it's a, it's a special gift that God has to give you. You don't earn or deserve the gift of pastor, teacher, or tongues, or, or whatever it is. You never could earn or deserve It is a gift. Now, people have got that all backwards. They think that, you know, well, if I'm going to be a... I'm going to have to train and I'm going to have to practice and I'm going to... It's going to be a special ability that God gives you already. Now, if somebody gives you a gift, what do you have to do to get it? You have to just receive it. That's it. You have to do nothing. You didn't earn it. Like, for instance, we'll use the gift of tongues, which is so popular. What if I go out and learn French? Is that the gift of tongues? No, I might be able to speak in a different language, but that's not the gift of tongues. I've earned that. I had to go through, learn all the vowels, learn the alphabet, the whole thing, before I could understand and speak French. So, just as an illustration. So, to another this, to another miraculous powers. um, Where are we? Uh, Skip down to verse 11. All these... All these, all these what? Gifts, manifestations. And that's the way, you know, we might not, sometimes it uses gifts, sometimes it uses manifestations, right? Are the work of one and the same Spirit. So now, this same Spirit gives one person one manifestation or gift, but he may, in another person, do something totally different. You know, why why can't we all just be the same? Why can't we all just get along? Some, who said that? Oh, okay. I don't know why it's so familiar. But but that is the cry for people with spiritual gifts. They all want the same gifts. And you know what? We're gonna find that it wasn't any different even back in biblical times. Why did Paul have to write this? For this very reason, as you're gonna see as we read this. So it's not so different today, you'll see. And then it says, all this, all these come, uh, are, are the work of one and the same Spirit. He gives them, gives what? Those gifts, those manifestations, to each one. Underline this verse, please. If you have a marker or underline. He gives them to each one, just as He, that's God the Holy Spirit, determines. So who chooses which, who gets what gift? God the Holy Spirit. So that's why we want The only thing we can do is receive it and discover what it is we have. That's it. You have no say in which gift you get. No say. What if you just said, man, I just feel like I'm cut out. I want that one. Doesn't mean you have it. We're going to talk about how do you discover your gift later. But first, we want to just establish some ground rules and, and who gives them. So if you underline, he gives them just as he determines. You know, a lot of people are saying you should be speaking in tongues and you should be doing this. And are they they're just going beside this verse and not even paying attention to what it's saying? You do not get what gift you want, and he gives them this, he gives them that. And and we're gonna see later in this verse, do all prophesy? Do all are all apostles? Are all prophets? Do all speak with tongues? And the answer is absolutely not. We don't get any gift we want. So he gives them just at, as he determines. So notice who gives who gives the gift. So we hear we have it. Let's just read it. Uh, put the scripture up here. It's First Corinthians twelve uh, verses four through eleven and it determines especially verse 11 and there are others especially it's very clear are there any questions about who gives what the gifts and how go well, ahead I had, to, I had to come to the biblical, biblical part of that mm-hmm. when I first church that one of the first churches I attended <clears throat> I was sick and tired and I knew I needed I needed Jesus in my life I had uh, 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 the point that came which way it was up you know I, I, I sunk so, so low I, It was nowhere else to go but up Right. And so mm-hmm. when I came in it was like forced on me that I had to talk in tongues and I quit and I babbled and I babbled and I said to myself the biblical part of this I said I, said, I, live a, I, I serve a loving God when we came here the first time mm-hmm. I said I have a loving God and uh, that's not gonna God is not gonna stop me from going into heaven because I, I can't talk in tongues hmm. you know what I'm saying hmm. it rang in my mind it's no way in the Bible it says God says you're not going to come to heaven if you don't talk in tongues well first of all nobody whether you can speak in tongues or whether you can prophesy whether you uh, have gifts of administration or, none of that is dependent upon whether or not you go to heaven so this is this is a secondary issue it's not a salvation issue so, whether a person believes he has this gift or he doesn't have that gift, has, it does not bear on salvation at all. Now, I know, I'm aware, that some churches will tell you that it does. They will say, well, unless you've done this, then you can't be saved. Well, you could listen to that, but uh, the Bible says nothing of that. You, won't, you will not find that anywhere in Scripture. That that you have to exercise some gift in order to be saved. You will not find that in scripture at all. But what do you do? You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. So, first, and I know churches have said unless you speak in tongues, then you can't be saved. So then they you know they try to encourage you to speak in tongues, and and they want you to. Um, you know practice doing it just say this word over and over and then if you you know your tongues will come and all these different things people are saying to do churches are doing this and I, people have come to me and told me so you know uh, and more than one person has told me so i know this is true that people have done churches have done this and to, it has really caused a lot of confusion in churches and and the teaching of the word is now, first of all, when we talked about salvation, did we talk about tongues at all? No. Why? Because it's not an issue in salvation. Not at all. In fact, even, you know, whether you believe in tongues or not, who can speak in tongues? Unsaved people or saved people? Right? Only saved people. Right? So it's a gift that God gives people who are believers. Not a, you don't get the gift to become a believer. It's just backwards. So, everywhere we read in scripture, salvation is not by works, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, right? It is, you are justified freely by the grace that is given in Christ Jesus, and everywhere we turn, it is free, and I am just annoyed, actually, at people who would want to make it something to pay for, why not let it be free as it says? And we, we want to control people, we want to get people in line and tell everybody to you know in lockstep, do this. But that is to me, you know, you, you've taken away the freeness of salvation. God said it's a gift, and why not let it be a gift? Why do you want to make people work for something that's free? You know, that can't be uh, according to the truth. So let's continue. So we have two scriptures. Um or, or this covers the thought does anybody have any questions about uh, the gifts as far as the source of the gifts a gift is not a learned ability it is given by God the Holy Spirit and he gives them how does he give them? freely and who who decides? God, God. you know what some people do? they'll sit up and look over their congregation and say "Hmm, he's an accountant This one over here is a carpenter. This one over here is a a businessman. Hey, you know what? This person would be the best person to run this. This person will be the best person. They determine based on the skills that people have in the world or what they were in the world what the church will will be able to use them in. And we don't want to do that. We want people to come into their gift. And once they serve in their gift, they're going to love doing what they do. Nobody's gonna have to force them or coerce them or, or or you know make them feel guilty about not doing what they they love doing what it is they do. As if it's your gift, it fits. It's natural. Because it's a natural ability that God has given you. You don't have to make up for it or you know, so so we don't wanna do that. We don't want to force people into doing things that you know, are, now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to do things that maybe you are apprehensive about. You should. But don't don't feel as though you know you are in a, a certain mold. And I'm not going to try to mold you. I want you to discover your gift. And then we'll talk more about it. So, that's the first thing. I know we're, ro- we're rolling on the time. We don't want to continue uh, into the next point. But the next point is... We're going to talk about, you know, from the standpoint we've already established this, but now we're going to discover about what is the purpose of spiritual gifts. Why did God give them in the first place? I mean, did Israel have spiritual gifts? Did they? Not spiritual gifts, but they. God gave them the ability to do things uh, out of the uh, out of out of the. The Mm -hmm. norm, yeah, like build certain furniture for the tabernacle. Right, he gave them, you know, insight and Mm -hmm. the ability. Well, he gave them the spirit. He would give them the endowment of the spirit. He would put the spirit upon them. Now, when I say, I guess the question I'm asking for real is, uh, like you might see prophet in the Old Testament, and you see prophet in the New Testament you might find some similarity between the gifts from the Old to the New Testament. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at that and see what's unique about the church. See, see, because if God... He could have told us in the Old Testament what He wanted us to know. Couldn't He I mean, He already did. In fact, He prophesied through the prophets Israel's inception and all the way down to what the problems they would have and to the very future, the end of what it would all be. They talked about Christ coming back and the second coming, the millennium. I mean, they went through, prophesied the whole picture. So what else? Why does God need to give prophets and knowledge and wisdom? These are communication gifts, right? That obviously bring revelation to the church. So we're going to discuss, you know, what's the purpose for gifts? You know, we we know they're given, but why? Why does God need to give spiritual gifts? So it can come to us for the plan of God. That's true. That's true. And we would want to be more specific. God, what about a brand of ministry? These gifts. and that's what I said it's, that's true what Larry said and and it's more specific what Bill said and so we want to put, put what you guys have said together and, and that's it that's what I would say there's something new why would God have to give us new information I mean Jesus lived and, and the Old Testament he had the word and but yet we have the New Testament and all these things that are different from what the old is anybody here um, practicing everything that the Old Testament says? So what is it? You guys are not living according to the word. You're not living according to the word. Don't you want to live according to the word? Well, I mean, I mean, the word. I mean, I would like to, but I can't. Why not? He's referring to the law. I'm sorry. Okay. That's okay. We're getting it. We're getting it. So you're not living according to the law. And that is because you're not supposed to. All the scripture that we read does not apply to us, does it? And it tells you go out and sacrifice a lamb and do all these things. How come you're not doing that? Because you're not under that. You got to divide rightly. Divide the word. You just can't pick up the word and say, "Well, wow, oh, this is." I'm going to do this. Everything it says, I'm going to do it in here. You can't because it doesn't all apply to us at this particular time, does it? So we want to understand uh, what's different. And as you said, the church has has new revelation. It deals with the mystery and how God. The, the church is not in the Old Testament. Nobody knew about the church. Christ prophesied that he would build the church. So now, what is the church Jewish? Is, are we Israel? No. no, we're not. Are we under the law? No. Israel was. What a big difference. How do we live? What do we do? So, God, this is something brand new. God has to give us a lot of instruction. There, I mean, the church started out very Jewish. But God, that wasn't God's plan. He wanted to bring the Gentiles in and they would be together in one body. So we're going to discuss. That's that's the hint of where we're going when we talk about purpose. What's the purpose God gave gifts? Well, we're going to see that the purpose has to do with the changing times. So like I said, it was good enough for Jesus what He had. So why all this all again? Because there's new revelation that needs to be written, and we need this revelation, and we'll, we'll talk about that. We're gonna, it's gonna grow from there, and we'll deal with. We're gonna deal with all of them: miracles, signs, wonders. So come next week, ready to deal with um, gifts. We're and we're still dealing with whole, the whole, and then we're gonna start defining. By next week, we're we're gonna start defining individual gifts and what the purpose actually it is. Why did God give us these gifts? All right. So let's stand. We're going to have a word of prayer and uh, we're going to have to close. I know it's getting late. I don't want to keep you going beyond too too far. And uh, what an interesting subject we had before us. So I would say we're going to take two more lessons, maybe three. We'll see. But we don't want to cut it short when people are really needing to know this information yes Mm -hmm. and we'll have it so that we can have it for later as well let's bow our heads thank you Father again for such wisdom that you have provided for us in your word Lord as we approach this subject we pray that our hearts would be open to your instruction teach us Father what you would have us to know about these things We're so grateful for those who have participated with us and uh, they were candid enough, Father, to open their hearts and share their experiences. And Lord, we we, we know that as we are honest with you in the word that uh, only good things can come from that. So we pray for those who are listening by conference and Lord, we just ask that as we grow in grace that we will be challenged and and continue to have the humility to put aside our preconceived notions and opinions and to focus in on what does the Word say. So we ask that you bring us back next week and as we continue our study. In Christ's name we pray. amen. Amen. Amen.